by the Equipment Service for the Blind and the Worcester News. Our service is free, but if you would like to make a donation towards the running costs, or if you have any comments about our service, please leave a message in your wallet or give us a ring here at Colin Chance House. I am Sally, and Ian, Rianne and Hannah are reading with me, and Nigel is our sound engineer. We will feature the news from Friday, November the 11th, until Thursday, November the 17th. We'll start with the headline stories, followed by some general news. Uh, There's going to also be a bit of what's on in the area, and then some sporting updates. And the obituaries, for those who want to hear them, will be at the end of the recording, following the music. And today the sunrise was at 732 And the sunset was at 4.15. So I'll pass you over to Ian for the thought for the day, for the week. Uh, The thought for the week is from Romans chapter 8, verses 1 and 3. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And a very happy birthday to two people this week, Howard Jones on the 20th and Joyce Pringle on the 22nd of November. We hope you have a wonderful day. And useful telephone numbers here in Wilds Lane. We're on 01905767766. Police non-emergency is 101. Crime Stoppers 0800 one. Worcester Hub 01905765765. Worcester Theatres... 01905611427 Malvern Theatres 01684891177 Worcester Wheels for Transport is on 01905450654 and the Samaritans uh, is a free phone number Double one six one two three. There's a very festive feel to the what's on in the area this week. Um, the Worcester News traditional carol service has been advertised, and readers are invited to take part in one of the city's biggest festive celebrations on the evening of Wednesday, the 21st of December, at 6:30 p.m. A thousand worshippers will be welcomed at Worcester Cathedral where the Cathedral Choir will be singing with the congregation raising the rafters with traditional carols. This year the event will not be ticketed. Everyone is welcome to attend and everyone will need to be seated by 6.20pm. Worcester's favourite Kay's Panto returns to the Swan Theatre in the new year with Alice in Wonderland. 
This panto has all your favourites from Alice to the Mad Hatter, the White Rabbit, Queen of Hearts and with characters to enjoy the famous tea party plus a bake-off tent. It will open on January the 19th for 14 performances until Sunday, January the 29th, 2023. Tickets priced only £13.50 for Alice in Wonderland are now available from Worcester Theatre's box office at Huntington Hall, online at www.worcestertheatres.co.uk or by phone 01905 627. The popular Christmas lights switch on and late night shopping are some of the festive treats on offer this year. The lights switch on is taking place at Cathedral Square on Saturday, November the 26th at 6pm. Father Christmas will be back this year for the switch on, joined by the Mayor and the full panto cast from the Cinderella pantomime at the Swan Theatre. Other highlights include a free Christmas trail and late night shopping, which starts from Thursday, November the 24th, with a selection of stores staying open and Crowngate parking reduced to just £1 after 5pm. Father Christmas will also be visiting Crowngate between Thursday and Sunday throughout December, with an extra visit on Wednesday, December the 21st. Father Christmas meet and greets are free and take place at Toy Town and in Chapel Walk. Aiming to make Christmas shopping fun for all the family, other highlights include a free Christmas trail to find 20 gingerbread people hidden in the shop windows, free face painting in the History and Heritage pod on selected weekends and a crocheted community Christmas tree. The streets will also come to life with live performances by local artists, including sets by Worcester Ukulele Club and carol singing by St Barnabas's Primary School. Shoppers can win a gingerbread house worth over £6,000 and have it delivered to their home. Crowngate's magical gingerbread house has been built by D&J Timber Buildings and decorated by Three Counties Christmas. Shoppers can enter the raffle by buying £2 raffle tickets, which will raise funds for Crown Gate's Charity of the Year on side. The light switch on is always a great event and we're excited to welcome Father Christmas back again this year, said Michael Lloyd, Centre Manager. With live music, raffle, face painting and free trail, there's plenty to make shopping a great day out for all the family. And in Mulv- um, yes, Mulvern... This Christmas, there's, um, no, sorry, beg your pardon, not Malvern, Worcester, it's Swan Theatre. Um, Cinderella is the panto and it starts on Tuesday the 29th of November until Monday the 2nd of January. And it's uh, £21 for the gold tickets, £19 for the blue tickets and £16 for the red tickets. There are pink relaxed performances for £10 with carers going free. Um, the Worcester Rep Company are presenting this um, as the most magical pantomime of all, packed full of all your favourite traditional pantomime comedy moments and they want people to join them for the well-loved tale and cheer, boo, hiss, laugh and sing along to your favourite songs in what promises to be Worcester's most spectacular family panto yet. All future art exhibitions at Worcester City Art Gallery are going to be audio described 
Um, Worcester City Art Gallery and Museum at Fourgate Street, Worcester, is open from 10.30am to 4.30pm, Monday to Saturday. Canaletto exhibition is currently running until the 7th of January and is well worth a, a visit. There's an entry fee for this major exhibition. If you're a resident of Worcester, it's only £4. Um, don't forget to take your um, ID with you. The exhibitions, are, all other exhibitions are usually free. Okay. And now for the headline news. Starting on Friday, November the 11th, man injured in bike fall. A cyclist was seriously hurt after falling off his bike on a main road in the city. The man fell off his bike on the A38 Barbon Road with the Midlands Air Ambulance helicopter called to the scene. Barbon Road was closed in both directions to vehicles for three hours with drivers asked to avoid the area. The man was taken to Queen Elizabeth Hospital in Birmingham by ambulance just before 9.30 this morning. The doctor and critical care paramedic from the air ambulance travelled with the patient on the back of the ambulance to help continue treatment en route to the hospital. A West Midlands Ambulance Service spokesman said, We were called to reports of a patient who had fallen from his bicycle at 9.21. Two ambulances, a paramedic officer and the Midlands Air Ambulance from Strensham attended the scene. On arrival, we discovered one male patient who was treated for serious injuries before being taken to Queen Elizabeth Hospital, Birmingham, by land ambulance. The doctor and critical care paramedic from the air ambulance travelled with the patient on the back of the ambulance to help continue treatment en route to the hospital. The road was closed off with barriers. Drivers travelling into the city were being diverted along Shrubbery Avenue. There were long tailbacks in both directions on Barbourne Road, as well as along neighbouring roads near the accident. The crash happened near the Quickfit garage on Barbourne Road and there also had to be changes to the bus service following the crash. The headline for Saturday and Sunday, November the 12th to 13th. Burglary blitz at homes. Burglars struck at three city homes in just a few hours as a city detective says his team will work tirelessly to catch them. The burglar or burglar struck at Aikenbury Close and Trent Road, both off Newtown Road in Ronxwood and Meadow Road off Corn Meadow Lane, Clains, near Worcester. During the raids, cash and jewellery were taken as police worked to identify and recover the items taken and calculate the value of the loss, which, in the case of sentimental items, can be difficult to quantify. The raiders smashed patio windows during the burglaries at Aikenbury Close and Trent Road and a patio window and dining room window at Meadow Road. West Mercia police believe they may be looking for a city man in relation to the WR5 burglaries because portable items were taken, including cash and jewellery. D.I. Dave Knight of South Worcestershire Proactive CID said they all happened between 4 to 8.30 p.m. This is the period of time that burglars would would be looking at houses to identify whether anyone is home. Timer lights are a great solution to giving the impression that someone is in. The items stolen need clarification but appear to be cash and jewellery items that are easily carried on foot. 
We are keeping an open mind, but are certainly considering that the WR5 offensive have been committed by a local offender. Burglars become more active in the winter purely because the light issue, showing houses that are obviously empty. Please keep an eye out for anything suspicious. The South Worcestershire Proactive CID Burglary Team are committed to limiting the amount of time burglars spend out in the community and work together with other police departments and partner agencies to get these offenders locked up. We appreciate it is a significant offence that has a significant impact on the victim and the community, he said. D.I. Knight said he was aware of victims who had moved out of the county because of the impact of a burglary. We will work tirelessly to identify and bring burglars to justice, which for us is getting them to prison, he said. Police should call 999, sorry, people should call 999 if a crime is taking place and 101 with any information about who may be committing these offences. Crime Stoppers can also be contacted anonymously online or via telephone 0800-555-111. And on Monday, November the 14th, the headline was A&E facing growing pressure. Pressure is mounting on Worcester's Accident and Emergency Department as hard-working staff battle to meet high demand. More patients visited A&E at Worcestershire Acute Hospital Trust last month, with demand rising above the level seen over the same period last year. NHS England figures show 17,697 patients visited A&E at Worcestershire Acute Hospital NHS Trust in October. The Trust manages Worcestershire Royal Hospital in Worcester. That number represents a rise of 3% on the 17,246 visits recorded during September and 1% more than 17,496 patients seen in October 2021. The figures show attendances were above the level seen two years ago in October 2020. There were 14,080 visits to A&E departments run by the Trust. The majority of attendances last month were via major A&E departments, those with full resuscitation equipment and 24-hour consultant-led care, while 31% were via minor injury units. Across England, A&E departments received 2.2 million visits last month. That was an increase of 9% compared to September and a similar number as were seen during October 2021. At the Trust in October, there were 199 booked appointments down from 258 in September. In total, 65% of arrivals were seen within four hours against an NHS target of 95%. 1,512 patients waited longer than four hours for treatment following a decision to admit 9% of patients. Of those, 335 were delayed by more than 12 hours. 
Separate NHS digital data reveals that in September the median time to treatment was 100 minutes. The median average is used to ensure figures are not skewed by particularly long or short waiting times. Around 3% of patients left before being treated. Matthew Hopkins, Chief Executive of Worcestershire Acute Hospital NHS Trust, said, Staff across our emergency departments and partner health and care services are working incredibly hard to ensure patients get the help they need as quickly and safely as possible in the face of continuing unprecedented demand. We would urge the public to contact NHS 111 either online or by calling 111 to receive free urgent care advice before attending our emergency departments and to only use 999 in a life-threatening emergency. Please also remember you can seek help from a local minor injury unit for a variety of injuries including wounds, sprains, strains and minor burns with much more shorter waiting times. On Tuesday, November the 15th, the headline was Rent Deal to Unlock Housing. A bold plan could see council housing return to Worcester. A significant deal could see the council renting out homes to address a chronic shortage of affordable housing in the city. Worcester City Council is considering signing up to an agreement which will see some homes snapped up and rented out for less than the current market value under one of the biggest shake-ups in recent years. It is not known where the houses would be built. Figures show that just a fifth of the affordable homes needed to meet the past, present and future demand in Worcester are currently built every year, meaning the council is already in a challenging position trying to address the backlog. The Council's Income Generation Subcommittee did meet to discuss spending up to £10,000 for specialist advice on the affordable housing proposals, but the talks were held in secret. Some of the councillors tasked with scrutinising the bid have called for bold solutions to the affordable housing crisis and see the secret bid as a step in the right direction. Councillor Jabba Riaz, who chairs the Income Generation Subcommittee, said that while there were several options on the table for the council, the proposal from a yet-to-be-known developer would result in a significant investment in the city's housing. After the meeting, he said, I and a number of other councillors have been calling for the council to start building their own homes or doing more to tackle housing waiting lists and reduce our reliance on B&Bs and temporary accommodation, saving money on that side and reinvesting that money in frontline services. We're never going to reach the target easily and we're not going to get by building one or two homes, so we need the kind of proposals that are ambitious. A proposal has come forward and we have to do the financial due diligence on it and make sure that we, as a council, can bear some of these risks. The city has an ever-increasing need for affordable housing, with figures from earlier this year showing that at least 450 new affordable homes need to be built every year to meet current and future demand as well as historic unmet demand. 
The city has not come anywhere near to meeting that target, with the same figures showing that around 95 affordable homes are built each year. Earlier this year, the council all but ruled out a move to restart building more social housing, despite the distinct lack of it, because it said the city does not have enough money or space and it would be too risky. The council will have spent up to £50,000 looking at how it can address the shortage, even if it decides not to move ahead with its current plans. And Wednesday, November the 16th, free parking... Dodge in Square. Concerns have been raised that delivery drivers and people looking to dodge fees are using Cathedral Square as a makeshift car park. Michael Lloyd posted a picture of cars parked on the plaza in front of restaurants and bars on Friday night. Mr Lloyd said the cars seem to belong to food delivery company drivers and has asked the City Council to take action. He tweeted... Called into town last night and Cathedral Square looked like a car park, as did Angel Place, Lowersmore, The Cross and Forgate Street. The evenings are getting taken advantage of by many food delivery companies. We do need to do something about it. Worcester City Council, happy to help if needed. Councillor Jabba Ryas said he was going to be in touch with the local safe neighbourhood policing team. Councillor Ryas said... A number of people and organisations highlighted the issue on social media over the weekend of delivery drivers and members of the public parking in pedestrianised zones. A number of councillors have already highlighted this issue in the city centre. It is not the most dramatic, but it is certainly a growing area of concern. I will be liaising with enforcement officers and West Mercia Police to see how we can improve things. West Mercia Police said it receives a lot of parking-related issues, but added most are not matters for the police. A spokesperson for West Mercia Police said, We understand parking can be a hugely frustrating issue, and we receive a large volume of calls each year related to parking. However, in most instances, there are not matters for the police. Most of the time, illegal parking is enforced by the local council. However, if a vehicle is parked dangerously or in a way that would prevent emergency vehicle access, you can report it to us online. Worcester City Council acknowledged that delivery drivers have been causing congestion in the city. A spokesperson for Worcester City Council said, We continue to work with other partners to address problematic parking in the city and we're aware that food delivery drivers collecting packages in the city have been causing congestion. Our civil enforcement teams are concentrating on problem areas which include evening work. We'd remind delivery drivers that they must park appropriately and not cause an obstruction. Anyone who has concerns regarding parking issues should report them to parking office at worcester.gov.uk. Thursday, November 17th. Free festive parking scrapped. Free car parking has been scrapped in favour of free buses in the run-up to Christmas after a row between councillors. The tradition of Worcester City Council offering free festive parking will come to an end this Christmas, with councillors narrowly voting to replace it with a complimentary bus service. 
Labour councillors had made a call last month to forego tradition and use the subsidies previously set aside to offer free parking in Worcester throughout December to pay for free or cheaper bus travel instead. Council officers came back with a plan which would see a free bus service put on throughout the city on December the 3rd to coincide with the Christmas Victorian Fair. But when the Policy and Resources Committee came to vote on the plan, there was some fallout over what forms of travel the council should and should not be subsidising. Councillor Chris Mitchell said he and the rest of the city's council council conservatives were under the impression that the free bus service was in addition to the council also offering free parking in the run-up to Christmas, as it had been doing for years, and he did not support it being scrapped. He put forward a change to the vote which would see free parking continue alongside a subsidised bus service, and despite the support from the council's conservatives, the amendment was voted down by Labour, Green and Lib Dem councillors by seven votes to six. The decision means the council will now pay for a free bus service on one soon-to-be-announced Saturday in December with free parking on weeknights and Sundays scrapped. Loose estimates by the council's finance director, Shane Flynn, showed the council's car parking income was down by about £15,000 last December because of the free offer, which he said could give some idea of how much it would cost if repeated. Mr Flynn said £185,000 had still not been spent from last year's £565,000 budget surplus which was set aside to support the city's recovery from the Covid pandemic, so there was sufficient coverage to pay for both free parking and free buses. The council's managing director, David Blake, said £50,000 was put aside in last year's budget to help cover the cost of free Christmas parking as a one-off, and the loss of earnings through offering free parking had just been absorbed in previous years. Councillor Mark Bayliss, leader of the City Council, said Christmas was the most important time for businesses and the City needed to continue offering free parking to attract as many people as possible. But City Mayor Adrian Gregson disagreed, saying it was disingenuous to suggest that free parking would always be offered and the council should be confident it no longer needed to offer free parking as a way of attracting people to the city. Councillor Andy Stafford said it was utter nonsense to suggest that Worcester and its retailers were safe, with an impending recession and the council could offer free parking in the evenings and on Sunday when there were not many buses running anyway. At the meeting in the Gould Hall on November the 15th, Green Councillor Louis Stephen said it would be reckless given the council's budget deficit to offer free parking when the car parks would be full anyway, and Labour Councillor Pat Agar said she was weary of spending money offering the discount this year given the council's significant budget gap. And now for general news items. 
Worcester Cathedral is set to appear on a popular BBC television show this weekend. The crew from Songs of Praise, which is aired on BBC One every Sunday at 12.15pm, paid a visit to Worcester Cathedral to film its pet blessing service. Staff from the cathedral said they jumped at the chance to be featured on the show, which has been running since 1961. However, this isn't the first time Worcester Cathedral has ended up in the limelight. A TikTok of a singing goat went viral last month and was featured on national and international media after Worcester News reported it. Pablo from Atwell Farm could not contain his excitement during the animal blessing service at Worcester Cathedral. In the hilarious video taken during filming for Songs of Praise, Pablo makes a high-pitched bleating noise. He caught people's attention with one commenter jokingly suggesting he joins the choir. Another made a joke about what Pablo could have been thinking during this performance and said, Pablo, the acoustics are nice in here. A spokesperson from Worcester Cathedral said Songs of Praise filmed our pet blessing service on 16th September for an episode which will be aired on Sunday the 20th of November at 12.15pm on BBC One. The episode is presented by the Reverend Kate Botley and will feature the service in a programme that will celebrate the way pets enrich and enhance people's lives. A variety of animals attended the service, including cats, dogs, bearded dragons, giant stick insects, cockroaches, alpacas, sheep, a tarantula and the new internet sensation Pablo the Goat. It was a wonderful service and we were delighted to welcome Songs of Praise to film it. We were contacted by Songs of Praise earlier this year requesting to feature our popular animal blessing service in this special episode and we jumped at the chance. We are very much looking forward to seeing the programme air and hopefully catching a glimpse of Pablo and all of the other wonderful animals that attended. A water leak from a burst pipe turned a road into a river as the torrent poured out of a drain cover, flooding a city street. The deluge started in Rainbow Rise, emanating from a yellow fire hydrant before pouring down into Vicar Street and onto Rainbow Hill in Worcester. A resident and a local councillor said the leak had been reported to Seven Trent last Thursday, but both said no work had taken place to fix the leak, although traffic cones had been put in place. The cones marked the leak on the unadopted road and further cones alerted drivers to the leak in Rainbow Hill itself. Motorists slowed down outside the Rainbow Hill chippy to negotiate the hazard, but some pedestrians still got splashed as drivers ploughed through the flood. Water could be seen flowing out of the ground near the third Worcester scout hut and also pouring into a building site on the corner of Vicar Street. Councillor Adrian Gregson, Labour City Councillor for Rainbow Hill, raised the issue and said the leak was reported at 8am on Thursday. He described the leak as a torrent and said he understood the leak would not be fixed by 7 Trent until November the 20th. However, a 7 Trent spokesman says repairs will take place on Sunday. Councillor Gregson said, It's ridiculous to see this level of wastage. My constituents are appalled at this waste of water going down the drain in the middle of a cost-of-living crisis. 
Matt Bryan, who lives nearby, said Rainbow Rise was an unadopted road and there had been other issues with it before the leak, calling the road surface appalling. Speaking on Friday, he added, This has been two days, non-stop. My wife contacted Seven Trent last night and said she first saw it yesterday morning. People were walking up here to see where the water was coming from. The 54-year-old said, Although cones had been placed at the site of the leak, no work had yet taken place to fix it. It's ridiculous. There has been no work done at all. I'm angry. The amount of water coming out of there is horrendous. The water is absolutely flying out. I thought my wife was exaggerating and I have just had a look now and she really isn't exaggerating. Because of the poor surface, he said five or six cars per year suffer damaged sumps and oil goes everywhere. A Seven Trent spokesperson said, We'd like to apologise to customers near Rainbow Rise in Worcester who've been affected by a burst water pipe. Our teams attended the site yesterday, Thursday, and as this is a very narrow residential road, in order to minimise disruption for residents, the repair has been scheduled for Sunday, November the 13th. Our team will work hard to get the repair made and everything back to normal the same day. To ensure the safety of our team and other road users, a temporary road closure will be in place while we make the repair and reinstate the road surface. We'd like to thank everyone for their patience and reassure them that we are doing everything we can to help minimise the disruption and to get everything back to normal as soon as possible. Councillors have questioned a decision to spend £1.65 million on new bin lorries during a cost-of-living crisis. Worcester City Council said it is planning to move ahead with replacing seven of its ageing bin lorries, which are said to be burning too much cash and too much carbon, and has been pushed into buying them early to get on the year-long waiting list and to earn a hefty discount. However, the money-saving plan needed the approval of the Council's Environment Committee, which was ultimately split over whether it was appropriate to approve the money when residents across the city were struggling. The committee's Labour councillors were less than enthusiastic after being rushed into a, about being rushed into a decision, with Councillor Richard Udall saying £1,600.65 was a lot of money in the current climate and Councillor Jabariez saying he was uncomfortable with making an instant decision and asked why it had not been brought to the attention of the committee six months ago. Councillor Simon Cronin said it was not inappropriate to reconsider patching up the old vehicles instead of buying new ones, and he was trying to find a way to justify spending the money in the current horrible economic climate. Other councillors feared delaying a decision would lose the council money and result in residents not having their bins collected. Councillor Andy Stafford, chair of the Environment Committee, said councillors should not be kicking the can around the table and should be listening to the council's experts. At the meeting, he said, if we miss our slot and lose the discount, then we will have to go out and explain to our residents why their bins aren't being collected because our existing fleet is breaking down and in the garage as well as pumping out more CO2 and more emissions. The tailor-made lorries built by Dennis Eagle, which were, are unavailable anywhere else, are needed to navigate some of Worcester's narrow and cramped streets.
The council's officers were quick to emphasise that the bin lorries needed replacing as it would cause greater problems down the line and the money had already been budgeted anyway and officers were just asking for it earlier than planned. Hundreds of people turned out in Worcester to pay their respects to those who gave their lives in the two world wars and conflicts. Despite a cold morning, people came out and lined the streets for the traditional service at the War Memorial at Worcester Cathedral for Remembrance Sunday. The event started at Corn Market Car Park at 9am with a procession making its way through the city. A service was held at 10am at which representatives of the armed forces, emergency services, cadets and dignitaries gathered to pay their respects in the cathedral. The last post and revalley came before a two-minute silence was observed by hundreds of people. Wreaths were laid by Worcester Mayor Adrian Gregson and Worcester MP Robin Walker and observers joined in with the Lord's Prayer and National Anthem. Throughout the service there was music played by the Worcester City Brass and Worcester Cathedral Choir. A group of cadets from King's School also took part in the procession. Rachel Ellen, who is a section officer in the RAF, said, It has been a real privilege to be invited, and although it is a very poignant day, we feel very proud to be here. It is not a joyous occasion. We are marking all of the sacrifices people have given. It is important for the cadets to be here and learn about all the people that have sacrificed their lives for them. We have so many opportunities because of the people who sacrificed their lives, especially in a city like Worcester, which has played a very important part in history. Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Allen said, It is important for us to renew our pledge to remember. It is something that could easily be forgotten by youngsters and even people my age, but it is so important to remember and pay our respects. It is something that is bigger than any of us. Young people from the 2nd Worcester Scout Group in St John's also joined a procession and made their way up to St John's Church from the Scout Hut. A Twitter account pretending to be Worcester's MP has been set up after the site started allowing people to pay for the verification blue tick. The parody account pretending to be City MP Robin Walker has paid £6.99 per month for the verification, leading to fears it will cause confusion. The actual Mr Walker at Walker Booster says he has reported the account but is concerned about the direction Twitter is heading in. The new profile at robin 4 works describes itself as a parody account in its bio, but otherwise appears to be the city's MP. Blue ticks used to let users know someone was a genuine celebrity, politician or other authority, but Twitter Blue launched in the UK on Thursday, allowing users to pay for verification. He said people can do parody or comedic accounts, but this isn't humorous. They are trying to tweet things for people to attack, which is a misuse of social media. I think what is problematic is allowing people to buy ticks. 
Twitter has allowed both mine and this account to be verified. I have reported it, but their rules say that parody accounts are allowed and you can only report it otherwise if you have protected characteristics. So if I was gay or trans or an ethnic minority, I could, but as a man, I cannot. Twitter is in a muddle. Having gotten rid of so many people, they have managed to remove those who stopped things like this from happening. Mr. Walker added that he does not yet know who is responsible for the account, but has urged them to stop. The people behind this account need to think about what they're doing, he said. I understand that politicians need to be held to account and are often the butt of jokes, but I don't think it's sensible to impersonate them. If it is someone in local politics, they ought to know better. I notice amongst its few followers are a number of local Labour politicians. The parody account first tweeted in 2019. Paid verification was one of the first major changes introduced by Twitter's new owner, Elon Musk, who purchased the social media platform for $44 billion. Since launching on Thursday, countless scam and fake accounts have sprung up. Other examples include an account pretending to be former US President George W. Bush, which tweeted, I miss killing Iraqis, followed by a sad face emoji. The tweet, which is still live and still has the blue tick next to its account, was shared by another fake account pretending to be former Prime Minister Tony Blair. It wrote, same to be honest. Medieval city walls and a priory world famous for the beauty of its stained glass are among the heritage sites on the at-risk register. A list of all those sites at risk in the city has been published by Heritage England, including Worcester City Walls and the world-famous medieval stained glass of Malvern Priory. In Worcester itself, conservation area Lowismore has been identified as very bad but improving. Another site of concern is the Church of St Helen, Fish Street, Worcester, its foundation predating that of the Anglo-Saxon diocese of 675. The Grade II listed church dates primarily from the 15th century and consists of a nave and chancel with aisles, a south porch and a west tower. A Heritage England spokesman said the presence of iron cramps in conjunction with the red sandstone used for rebuilding in the 19th century is causing accelerated deterioration and failure of the facework. A limited scheme of high-level masonry repairs funded by a National Lottery Heritage Fund grant for places of worship was completed in 2019, leaving masonry repairs to the South Isle and lowest stage of the tower to be attended to. The condition of the church is recorded as fair but is suffering from slow decay with no solution agreed. Another at-risk area is the city walls, designated as a scheduled monument at the butts extending 150 feet between Angel Place and Bath Cottage, Worcester. The walls formed part of Worcester's medieval defences. The Grade Two walls are described by Heritage England as generally satisfactory but with significant localised problems. 
The principal vulnerability is described as collapse, although the wall is identified as stable at the moment. Another site of concern is the moated citadels called Rushwick, Malvern Hills. The condition is described as generally unsatisfactory with major localised problems, with the principal vulnerability coming from the growth of scrub and trees. The condition of the site, owned by a not-for-profit group, has been identified as declining. The Grade 1 listed church of St Peter and St Lawrence Powick, Malvern Hills, is suffering from structural problems at the junctions of the South Isle. Joint and stone cracking has occurred in the church's south transept. The church's condition is listed as fair, but the building is suffering from slow decay with a solution agreed but not yet implemented. In Malvern, the Priory Church of St Mary and St Michael, Church Street, Malvern, is world famous for its stained glass. The large medieval church of the Benedictine Priory, founded in 1085, has the largest display of 15th century stained glass in England, as well as rich furnishings and finishes. Overall, the church is in fair condition, but there is a major problem with the stained glass which needs urgent repair. Parish is undertaking a pilot project to repair the stained glass and surrounding fabric to inform a major project of repairs and improved facilities. The condition has been identified as very bad and subject to slow decay. Among the swans and the ducks is a bright yellow robot swimming about the River Severn in Worcester. Onlookers can spot the robot gliding across the river at Diglis Marina as it chugs along picking up any plastic bottles in its way. Beauty spots in Worcester, such as Diglis Marina, can often be blighted by rubbish and fly-tipping. But the robot is part of a campaign to promote awareness of the importance of clean waterways and position river pollution as a key issue for the local authorities to tackle. It attracted the attention of passers-by on the riverbanks who stopped to watch it in action, collecting up plastic bottles. Plastic bottles were intentionally placed in the water for the yellow robot to collect as part of an awareness campaign. The campaign is being undertaken by P&D Marine Services, the Canal and Rivers Trust and Balls to Marketing. They have been working with schools to promote the importance of waterways and why there should be a focus on tackling pollution affecting rivers and canals. The campaign reinforces the importance of caring for the planet to the younger generations and promotes awareness of the harm that pollution is causing to the oceans. In partnership with the schools, children have been producing a poster about water pollution and why it is important to care for the county's waterways. The posters were then placed inside plastic bottles and placed into a section of the water near Diglis Marina. They then staged a small clean-up of the area to collect the bottles released into the water. The poster inside the first bottle collected was then chosen to represent the campaign. Worcester Green Party hopes to see the first woman MP elected in the city after naming its candidate for the next general election. Members of the Worcester Green Party have selected Tor Pingree to stand for the next general election. She was born in Worcester, works as a teacher at Worcester Sixth Form College and formerly stood against Councillor Simon Geraghty for a city council seat in St Clements back in 2021. 
Miss Pingree said that the cost of living crisis and the climate energy and the climate emergency are two of her main focuses if she were to be elected. She said, the country is facing a cost of living crisis. We know that creating warm, secure homes with better insulation and providing good public transport will tackle both the cost of living crisis and the climate emergency we face. If elected, I would be another green voice at the heart of Westminster to back up the fantastic work already being done by Caroline Lucas, MP. Her other focuses include eliminating poverty, rejoining the European Union, funding schools and hospitals properly, and changing the political culture by introducing a fairer, more proportional voting system for all levels of government. Miss Pingree said, The Green Party is firmly established in Worcester, and we use our position to promote fair green initiatives for the benefit of residents. We now have six green city councillors and one county councillor, and we are committed to working cooperatively and responsibly with all the political groups to help run the councils in the best interests of those we represent. We need to extend our ethos and approach to Westminster. When the news was announced, one Twitter user posted his support for Miss Pingree and highlighted how Worcester has never elected a woman as its MP, which was retweeted by the party. Alex Mace said, Worcester has never elected a woman as its MP. It's time. I'll be delighted to vote for Tor at the next general election. Outside of work and politics, Miss Pingree is a keen musician and can often be found playing at Worcester's live music venues. She formerly studied creative industries at Kidderminster College. A family-run Worcester coffee shop has been forced to cut its hours after one of its staff underwent a transplant. Andrew Evans Fisher, the head barista at Steam Coffee Shop on Friar Street, has undergone a transplant after suffering from kidney failure. He's on the mend, but it has meant the business will need to reduce his hours as he continues his recovery. He has been battling on and off with his health for a long time, but that's hopefully about to change, read a post on the shop's Facebook page. After a long wait, he has finally had a kidney transplant. We're over the moon to announce this as we are a close family-run business and, more importantly, a family. His procedure went well and he's currently recovering in hospital. This, however, does mean a few things for STEAM over the next few weeks. The coffee shop will open at reduced hours for the next few weeks in order to support Andrew. This weekend, STEAM will open from 10 till 4 on Saturday and from 11 till 3 on Sunday. Moving forward, it will open between 8.45am to 2pm and Thursdays and Fridays from 9 till 5 on Saturdays and from 11am to 4pm on Sundays. The post continued, we are a very small family-run business with not that many staff. 
Andrew, who is our head barista, plays a vital role in the operating and day-to-day running of STEAM, and without him, the next few weeks are going to be tough. We need to be by his side during these next few days, as they are a very important time. We apologize for the change in hours, but this gives us a chance to go and visit Andrew after work, which right now is very important. We have always told ourselves that we want to be honest with our customers about Andrew and his health, and we hope that you understand our decision. We couldn't do any of this without you. Anyone who has ordered custom cakes will still be able to get them, but Steam will not be accepting any more orders for the time being. A memorial service is being held at Worcester Crematorium and Cemetery to remember those we have lost. The service on Thursday, December the 8th, is an opportunity for people from across Worcester to come together and remember the loved ones they have lost over the past year. Tickets are free, however numbers are limited to 100, so local residents are being encouraged to apply for tickets as soon as they can. Christmas is a time of celebration, but if you've lost a loved one in recent months, it can be difficult to face seasonal festivities without them, says Doug Henderson, Bereavement Services Manager at Worcester City Council. This memorial service will give people the chance to share the experiences of grieving for a, love, for a loved one and also celebrate that person's life in the company of others who have had a similar experience. The service, which is open to people of all faiths and none, starts at 6pm at the Astwood Road Crematorium. It will be conducted by civil celebrant Claire Smith, Reverend Sarah Cottrell and Reverend Catherine Lack of the Church of England, family celebrant Fiona Rhodes and Jatinder Pal Singh Loyal of the Worcestershire Interfaith Forum. After the service, light refreshments and mince pies will be available. To reserve your ticket, call 01905 22633 or email bereavementservices at worcester.gov.uk. A Worcester charity has unveiled its new chief executive. Mike Wilkerson will take over as chief executive at St Richard's Hospice early next year. Current Chief Executive June Patel is stepping down later this year, following 11 years with the organisation. Mr Wilkinson, Wilkerson joins St Richard's from St Catherine's Hospice in North Yorkshire, where he has been Chief Executive for the past eight years. He has extensive experience of working in palliative and end-of-life care, with previous roles at Rotherham Hospice and St Wilfred's Hospice in West Sussex. I'm delighted and excited to be joining St Richard's Hospice as the next Chief Executive and I'm incredibly grateful for the opportunity to be part of the team, said Mr Wilkerson. I am passionate about the high quality care and support St Richard's provides to all those with a serious progressive illness, to their families and carers. St Richard's is a fantastic modern hospice set in a beautiful location and grounds with an exceptional reputation. The incredible staff and volunteers, supporters and donors make St Richard's the wonderful place it is today and I'm very much looking forward to getting to know everyone involved. Before taking up the post in early 2023, Mr Wilkerson and his wife, Alison, will be moving to the area. Chair of St Richard's Governors, Jenny Cope, said, 
We are delighted that Mike will be our new chief executive and we look forward to him leading our dedicated and highly respected team in the future. His experience will help shape continuous improvements in the quality care that the hospice provides for more than 3,100 patients, loved ones and bereaved people each year in our community. Mrs Cope also paid tribute to Mrs Patel, who has been Chief Executive since 2017. On behalf of the Council of Governors, I would like to thank June for the exceptional contribution she has made to St Richard's since she joined us originally as our Care Director in 2011. June's outstanding enthusiasm, compassion, commitment and leadership skills have enabled St Richard's to greatly expand our facilities and services for patients and families. Her extraordinary resilience has led us successfully through the pandemic thus far while retaining a healthy financial position. A team of ex-NHS staff have quit their stressful jobs to open up a cosy tea room in the city centre. After 25 years working as a pharmacy manager in Worcestershire, Suzanne Hope decided to transform her love for helping people into a new career. The team worked on the front line as primary carers during the pandemic and often went above and beyond for their patients. But as COVID-19 restrictions started to ease, Ms Hope decided she wanted a change of career and was thrilled to hear that some of her team members, such as Anne Solly, wanted to take the leap of faith with her. Chamberlain's on 7th Street is a new tea room in Worcester, but staff also hope it will become a safe space for people in the city. Ms Hope, who has 10 years of experience working in hospitality, said, We were still seeing patients when GPs weren't, and we had to make the conscious decision to distance ourselves from our families. We have been very passionate about the NHS, and we always will be. We went above and beyond during the pandemic, when we could drop round prescriptions to people, we would also bring around their shopping. We found the pandemic very difficult. We were emotionally and physically exhausted. Ms Hope said when she left the NHS, she was still keen, still keen to work with people. We wanted to do something people-centred. If it had been normal circumstances, we might not have left. We have not got a bad word to say about the NHS. We felt as though we needed to do something different and found the pandemic very hard. We were working off adrenaline for the past two years and then we all collapsed. Most NHS staff are exhausted. NHS staff worked, at social, worked as social workers for two years. If we were put on strike, I don't know what I would have done. When we finished our job, we all had 12 months of holiday to take because we just couldn't take any holiday for the past year. Many nurses across the country are getting ready to take part in a nationwide strike. However, Ms Hope said she had mixed feelings about the strikes. When you go into the NHS, it is not just a job. If you did it just as a job, you wouldn't stay in it for very long. It's a vocation. Nurses have to do more than what they had to do 10 years ago. As a result, there is a lot of abuse and they take it out on the closest person to them, which is usually the nurses. But I don't think 
It will come to a strike, but you never know. And now uh, we've got the Mayor's Diary uh, by Councillor Andrew Gregson. It was good to see the University of Worcester graduates able to mark and celebrate their academic successes at the right time of year again last week. A little blown and blustered by the weather, maybe, but I hope your friends and families enjoyed their visit to our great city too. I met some really interesting young graduates at the annual dinner, keen to make their mark on the world. And it reminded me that with regret, I had had to miss the heart of Worcestershire's college graduation events earlier in September due to mourning protocol. Nonetheless, Worcester is blessed with a host of talented young people, whether the mayor turns up or not. Well done to all of you. I am not sure many of those students will get the next link, but what do you get if you cross a yellow robot with a thing with long trailing tentacles on water? Yep, a jellyfish bot, of course. Designed to clean up detritus, leaves, oil spillage and general rubbish floating on or just below the surface of our waterways, this machine made its Worcester debut this week in Diglis Marina. In the week of COP27, how many COPs do we need to have before something happens? This is a pertinent reminder that we can protect the environment from the bottom up. Apart from the size, shape and the fact it floats on the water, it reminded me of the yellow submarine. A bit. It's yellow. It is, however, a great technological asset to keep canals and rivers clean, encouraging marine life and making our environment look its best. And well done to the winner of the poster painting competition as well, though I fear your entry was a little damp as I plucked it from the water. Thanks to Café Afloat for the coffee, by the way. Train services in Worcestershire will be affected by strike action taking place in other parts of the country. Members of the RMT union are striking on Saturday, November the 19th and Monday, November the 21st at the Thames Valley Signalling Centre in Didcot, Oxfordshire. But while there won't be any picket lines in Worcestershire, GWR services running to the county are going to be affected. And like on previous strike days, the whole of the western route will remain open on both days, albeit with a limited service. Disruption will continue, however, on the morning after the strike days as it takes the railway network a number of hours to recover. A limited GWR service will run on a number of routes between 7.30am and 6.30pm, including the service from London Paddington to Hereford, which calls at Worcester. Train strike will affect the England versus New England rugby match. The Bristol Temple Meads service to Gloucester, Worcester and Great Malvern will also be affected. After 6.30pm, trains will only run as far as Gloucester. Network Rail's Interim Western Route Director, David Davidson, said this strike action will have a significant impact on passengers travelling from the south-west and west to watch the England versus New England rugby match at Twickenham. There will be no train services travelling west after the game, so we're asking those, pas- those passengers not to travel by train.
We have been working closely with the train operators to agree the services they will be able to operate during this time. But please continue to check with your train operator on the services they are running or visit the National Rail Inquiry's website for more information. Further strike action is also planned by the union ASLEF on Saturday, November the 26th. This strike will affect 12 train companies and according to Network Rail will have a substantial impact on their services. Curious passers-by made a beeline for an eye-catching piece of art in Worcester. The incredible bee statue, made out of deactivated guns and knives, visited Cathedral Square and the Hive last Saturday. The anti-violence bee was created in Manchester and is visiting the West Mercia area throughout November. The statue was built by the British Ironworks Centre in Oswestry, Shropshire, the same company that made the Knife Angel, which attracted thousands of visitors to its tour of cities across the country. Organisers hope the bee will start a conversation about the dangers of carrying guns and weapons, which will prevent young people from doing so. Caroline Lovegrove, who was visiting the bee with her 10-year-old daughter Isabel, said, My daughter is fascinated by it. It really does make people think. Isabel said, It's really cool. It has been made out of guns and knives that people have handed in. The bee will also visit schools, community hubs across Telford, Shrewsbury, Worcester and Hereford, among other areas, to educate and raise awareness of the dangers of carrying weapons. Isabel continued, I would like the bee to visit my school. I think it is creating awareness. Guns and knives are very dangerous. Ian McWalter, who is a retired police officer and now works as a tactical advisor, said, The bee is starting a conversation. It's getting a message of the dangers of knife crime out there. We've had a very good response to this. It's an incredible piece of art that makes you think. Mr McQuater does a lot of work toward crime prevention, especially among young people. He said there is an increasing problem with knife crime among children. The 58-year-old added, We want to deter young people from knife crime and get the conversation started. If someone sees the bee today, it would spark a conversation about the dangers of knife crime with their kids. Some young people think they carry a knife, so will I. This is not the message we want. To solve this problem, we are not going to arrest our way out of it. We need to get people talking and get families talking, and people should say that this is wrong. A fun and funky festival with a focus on fashion and gaming has proved a big hit, say organisers. The Rising, a new week-long cultural festival, took place in Worcester last month and has been hailed a big hit by those who took part. The festival, which focused on tattooing, fashion and gaming, was co-produced by the Arches Worcester's Festival team and The Rising Voice, a new group of young adults established specifically to be part of the festival development and production team. The three films produced about the festival were showed at a post-festival event alongside a discussion with members of The Rising Voice. David Edmonds, festival director, said, We've always said with the festival's programme that we want something for everybody and we want to experiment with how we provide this, which is why we decided to test out co-creating the Rising Festival with the Rising Voice. 
It was a different and interesting approach to programming a festival for us and one we would like to grow and develop. It was wonderful to see the group involved and their input was crucial in determining the three themes of tattooing, gaming and fashion and attract a diverse and new audience. Councillor Lynn Denham said, The films of the festival were bursting with ideas and demonstrated huge positive energy. As a result, new creative contacts in music and performance have been formed within our city. I look forward to what the next The Rising has to offer. Throughout the festival week, people were able to visit a tattoo exhibition in one of Worcester's new creative arches, experience live tattooing, enjoy live music and listen to a fascinating lecture on the history of tattooing by author and lecturer Dr Matt Lodder. A full day was dedicated to fashion with a vintage clothing sale from rags to riches, interactive fashion workshops encouraging people to explore their creativity and a fashion show. The basement of Crowngate Shopping Centre was transformed into an underground gaming arena with virtual reality games and swings, board games, live music, food and funky lighting. Shopping Centre manager Mike Lloyd said, It really was fantastic to be part of such an amazing event, working closely in conjunction with Seven Arts to utilise spaces that members of the public just do not see or know exist. This ultimately gives a much more immersive and intense experience to the participants, as well as putting huge smiles on our faces watching the sheer enjoyment from all parties. Dozens of motorcyclists rode a cavalcade into Worcester Crematorium as part of the funeral procession for a bike enthusiast. Bob Fisher, a long-time member of WAC Motorcycle Club based in Worcester, died aged 73. Members of the WAC Motorcycle Club paid a touching tribute to him by arranging the cavalcade on the day of his funeral, Tuesday, November the 15th. Before the funeral began, the motorcyclists rode in on a variety of bikes before parking and entering the crematorium. Mr. Fisher's family allowed the Worcester News to film the procession as it entered the crematorium. His long-term partner and manager of the club's Facebook page, Dawn Thomas, led the tributes to him, having been with him for more than 25 years. She said he'll be greatly missed. He was a strong, very forthright character, always someone you could rely on to help if needed. A good member of the committee who always gave his honest opinion. A fabulous but not indulgent father and grandfather. He was my rock and allowed me to grow and flourish as a person. Dawn and Bob met 26 years ago when he was working at CJ Motorcycles in Droitwich and she was manager of Stars and Stripes Pizza, a cafe where Bob was a regular customer. His interest in motorcycles began at a young age when he used to go to the local grass track and trials with his granddad. Bob passed his test as soon as he could and began marshalling motorcycle road races on an international level. 
Around 20 years ago, Bob and Dawn gave up marshalling to get involved with the WAC. Outside of motorcycles, Bob first worked as a heating oil salesman before becoming a traffic warden, a role he stayed in for many years. Upon retiring, he took up part-time work for a company which provided supplies for care homes. Even as he got older, he continued to help people with their motorbikes and kept his and Dawn's three bikes and two cars in ship shape. Reflecting on their time together, Dawn added, We had some great days out with our dog, Freddy, his best mate, as well as walking in Wales or over the old hills. My most treasured memory was probably our times on the bike, holidaying in Scotland or Northern Ireland, or even just a blast out on a summer's evening for an ice cream. He nearly always got my bike out of the garage and started it up for me and came out onto the road to see me off if he wasn't joining. Winter clothing and an iPad with the translation app were donated to a Ukrainian school pupil thanks to fundraising efforts from support staff at another school. Royal Grammar School, RGS Worcester, support staff have continued their fundraising efforts for the Ukrainian community by providing the items to a locally based Hindlip CV first school pupil. Earlier this year, the RGS community raised more than £10,000 in their Ukraine appeal with three members of the RGS support staff, Steve Bradley, Keith Breeze and Paul Green, delivering funds to the Ukraine border. The RGS Worcester family of schools recently raised funds to support the Ukrainian pupil through a fundraising evening hosted by RGS Worcester support staff. The pupil, Andri, and his family, originally from the Ukraine, have recently settled with a host family in Worcester. Mrs Herbert, Andri's teacher, contacted the RGS community at a recent outreach event hosted by RGS Worcester. In order to support Andri's learning and language, an iPad with translation apps was donated to the pupil, enabling him to communicate with his fellow pupils through a translation app. In addition to the iPad, with the cold weather approaching, the remaining funds were used to supply Andrew with winter clothing, including a new coat, boots and trainers selected by his host family. Thank you. And we will now uh, move on to a few couple of sports items, starting with Worcester Wolves, who saved their blushes in dramatic fashion last weekend as they overcame bottom-of-the-league Nottingham Trent Hoods 79-77. Matters looked comfortable for second-place Wolves as they built a 43-32 half-time lead in Nottingham against the cellar-dwellers of National Basket League Division 2. But by half a minute remaining the match stood tied at 75-75. Worcester went ahead through Matty Boltano before Hoods once more drew level, with just seven seconds to go. But Wilfred Santhi emerged with a melee of bodies around the Nottingham basket to succeed with a desperate last-second shot that snatched victory. Nottingham have a lot of fight to fight for and gave us their best, reflected Wolves coach Dean Blake. We had control for most of the game but became lax in the second half. When we rotated, guys, there were times when we lacked productivity and perhaps relied on certain players too much. That's something we need to work on. 
we didn't give a 40-minute performance today. I keep telling the players that this is not Division 3. We can't make mistakes and expect to win. Ariane Davoudi stole the ball of mid-court and fed Boltonneau to begin the scoring after tip-off before Davoudi nailed two three-pointers. Ian Vivero-Rodrigo also contributed with a triple to give Wolves a 26-16 first-quarter lead. Tom Grayling profited from a pinpoint Lucas McGregor pass with the latter then later moving into double-digit points with a half-time buzzer-beating. Grayling converted again after the interval when receiving a crowd-pleasing behind-the-back pass from Davoudi. Sante repeatedly sliced past defenders before Hoods eventually got into gear, led by their swaggering guard, Malaki Nelson. Nelson's fifth triple dragged the sides together ahead of falling just short of an upset. The decision to appoint Chris Corns as the new Worcester City manager has been received potentially better than how some might have thought, but some may still have their doubts. Had this been two or three years ago, the reaction would have been different, but this move from City right now feels like the right one. Regardless of your thoughts and views on Worcester Raiders, Corns oversaw their progression through the ranks from Sunday league side to step six of non-league. Before he was sacked in October 2021 at Raiders, Corns, alongside co-manager Carl Gormley, were taking the club places in Step 6 and were on course for a promotion push. The reasoning behind his sacking were never really explained, but having moved to six ways, people assumed it was a reboot-type decision, a freshening up of the football club, if you like. Now, many were aggrieved at that decision within the club and outside of it, but Corns did not sit and sulk. Instead, he took the job at Bewdley Town in the league above. When he took over with right-hand man Ryan Rowe, Bewdley looked determined for relegation out of the MFL Premier, but they stabilised and went on to secure the great escape in the 2021-22 campaign. Having kept the club up, Corns has gone on to push Bewdley up the table and leaves them in 11th position, 14 points and 6 places higher than Worcester. Part of his success at Raiders and Bewdley has been based on his ability to rely on Worcestershire talent and using his relationships with players in the area to help build success. Now Corns has a big challenge ahead, and this is easily his biggest job yet in his short managerial career, one that puts him right in the spotlight. But he has plenty of players to call on, and will no doubt be able to bring individuals in from around the area to build a squad that represents the city and one that will want to play for him. Corns played for City during his playing career, and despite not always getting on with the club, he definitely knows what is at stake and will understand the reputation that comes with it, which is a good start. He arrives with a squad full of reserve team players and some senior members who have stuck with the club through a turbulent opening to the 2022-23 campaign. He will need to add plenty to that, 
not least in the attack and defence department, but through his jobs at Budley and Raiders and the connections he has, he should be able to put a competitive side together relatively quickly. But this is not a quick fix, and Corns will want to oversee the rebuild that he has so long talked about. Promotion may not be feasible this year, but it will be expectation next season. But finally, City have decided to bite the bullet and scrap any underlying differences they may have had with Corns to hand him with a chance to prove that he is capable of the task. Plans are underway to produce a Phoenix from the Ashes style TV series that will document Worcester Warriors' return to rugby following administration. The idea has been kick-started by James Sandford, part of the consortium with, with Jim O'Toole, that are currently trying to push through the purchase of the rugby club. The documentary will aim to tell the story of the last few months at Warriors, who are currently in administration and suspended from all forms of rugby. The club will be relegated to the championship for next season, providing Sanford and O'Toole are successful with buying Warriors. And they want to document the story all the way to Warriors recovering and thriving once again. We have started to film the story of Worcester Warriors, said Sanford to BBC Hereford and Worcester. Around the people behind the Warriors and the community, we will obviously be looking at the transformation of the club as a business across the Worcester Warriors as it moves forward, but also the human touch. But what is going on after the 80 minutes, the quiet moments that athletes and their families go through? But then we will also be looking at the community as well, the fans. We want to raise awareness of the club. It's not so much about the rugby it is to, as it is to inspire and to drive positive change. The filming has started and the hope is that the series will be sold to a major streaming service. On board with the film is Hollywood film director Bo Kerouac. We've been looking at how we can promote rugby as a product, but then also the changing landscape of the success and the struggles everyone here has been through. It's an emotional connection which everyone can be a part of, so we want to engage from different levels of it. O'Toole and Sanford were named as preferred bidders back in October ahead of Steve Diamond's bid. There is still no update from Begbie's trainers on the process. And that concludes uh, the articles from the news. Um, that ends our contribution for this week. So thank you very much for listening. Um, for those of you who wish to listen to the obituaries, they will follow the music. So it just remains for us to say, keep safe and until next time, goodbye. And now the obituaries. Nicholas Evans passed away at, on Saturday the 15th of September. Funeral service shall take place on Friday the 18th of November at Worcester Crematorium at 10.45am. All flowers welcome. Donations, if desired, can be made to Cancer Research UK. 
all inquiries to AV band funeral directors. Cecile Simone Marie Paul Willis passed away on Thursday the 13th of October. Funeral service will take place on Tuesday the 22nd of November at St Martin's Church, Worcester at 12pm, followed by refreshments at Worcester Golf and Country Club, Bransford Road, Worcester. Family flowers only, please. However, donations can be made to St Richard's Hospice if desired. All inquiries to AV Band Funeral Directors. Astley Frank Smith passed away on the 24th of October. Funeral service at St Andrew's Church, Main Road, Ombersley, on Tuesday the 22nd of November at 11.30am. Family flowers only, please, but donations if desired for Acorns Children's Hospice Trust or the British Heart Foundation may be left on the collection plate at the church or sent to E.J. Gummery and Son, Worcester. Jean Anne Murphy, late of Broadwas on Team, died peacefully on October the 26th. Funeral service and cremation at Hakem Bath on Wednesday the 16th of November at 1pm. Family flowers only, please. Donations if desired for the National Osteoporosis Society to Brian G. Bishop Funeral Service, Bristol, BS 39 7LW. Robert, known as Bob Evans of Kempsey, passed away peacefully on the 27th of October. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Wednesday the 23rd of November at 1.45pm. Family flowers only please, but donations if desired for Midlands Air Ambulance may be left on the collection plate of the crematorium or sent to E.J. Gummery and Son Worcester. Rona Nibutin Jones of Martley passed away on the 29th of October. Funeral service to celebrate Rona's life to take place at St Peter's Church, Martley, on Tuesday the 22nd of November at 12 midday, followed by internment. To show our love for Rona, we would like you to wear something yellow, please, her favourite colour. Donations are invited for Dementia UK and the Stroke Association. Inquiries to A.H. Caldicott and Sons, Funeral Directors, Tembury Wells, WR15 8BH. Fred Boswood, form, formerly Royal Mail, passed away peacefully on the 29th of October. The funeral will take place at Worcester Crematorium on Friday, November the 25th at 1.45pm. All donations please to Diabetes UK, care of Bedwardine Funeral Services. Elizabeth Ann Bannister, known as Anne, nay Hadland, passed away on the 30th of October. Funeral service at Solwalk Church on Thursday the 24th of November at 11.30. Family flowers only, please, but donations if desired for the British Heart Foundation may be sent to Bedwardine Funeral Services, Worcester. Douglas Hyde passed away peacefully on the 30th of October after a short illness, ex-Midland Red Driver. David Allen Drinkwater from Drinkwater Driving School passed away on Sunday the 30th of October. Funeral service will take place on Thursday the 24th of November at Worcester Crematorium at 3.15pm. Family flowers only. All inquiries to AV Band Funeral Directors. 
Thelma Catherine Harding passed away on November the 1st. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Wednesday the 23rd of November at 3.15pm. Family flowers only please. Donations, if so desired, will be gratefully received by Age UK using the donation box provided at the service. All inquiries care of Worcester Funeral Care. Keith Woodward, former employee at WRH Estates Department, passed away peacefully on the 2nd of November. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Monday the 21st of November at 1 o'clock. Family flowers only please, but donations if desired for guide dogs may be left on the collection plate at the crematorium or sent to E.J. Gummery and Son. And Peggy Worthington, nay Pert, passed away peacefully on the 7th of November. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Thursday the 24th at 10.45am. Family flowers only please, but donations if desired for Dementia UK may be left on the collection plate at the crematorium or sent to E.J. Gummery and Son. And we send our thoughts and prayers to all those bereaved, um, all the family and friends at this very difficult time.